You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm excited today to talk to Matt Marshall about culture ads, the right people for your stage of the company. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Asher. Pleasure to be here. Super excited to have this chat. I always find these conversations super fun and insightful and, you know, loving to, I love to have a good time. So these, these conversations are always fun. Fantastic. So before we dive in, please share with us how you got to where you are. Uh, sure. So um, just to go back a few years, uh, my first job in tech was uh, with a company called Embarcadero Technologies here in the Bay. Um, it was my first kind of tech job, first startup. Uh, it was like number 30 or something like that. They went on to be public. Um, you know, a couple of years in, my VP of sales at the time approached me about being in management. My uh, initial reaction was no, I didn't want to. I uh, was more worried about myself, wanting to have some fun. Um, but then I agreed to do it for a year. Um, and consequently, I've been, been doing it ever since. Um, so from there, you know, I, I went to a company called Success Factors. Um, I was super early, number 30, saw a ton of growth, ton of scale. Um, you know, I think success factors in Salesforce, you know, you could argue were like the pioneers of SaaS back then. Um, so learned a ton about how to scale. From there, I went to uh, Citrix, um, was there for like six years, grew a team from 55 to 175 across North America. Um, we were in the, the kind of go-to meeting side of the house. So, you know, down economy, we were at the right place at the right time. Again, learned a ton about scaling. Um, and how important hiring the right people are. And, and, you know, we'll kind of talk about that throughout this conversation. Um, from there, I went to a company called Moment Feed uh, down in LA. I was there for like a year and a half and learned a ton, but ultimately just, I wanted to come back to the Bay. Um, so I joined a company called Iterable um, and was SVP of sales for four years. Uh, when I started, there were 15 people uh, when I left uh, about six months ago, I was there for four years, grew revenue from about two and a half million to 60. Um, like I said, there was 15 people when I started. Uh, I think they're over 400 now. So like, again, just rapid scale, um, super complex sale. And then uh, one day I got an email from uh, a recruiting company that I've known for a really long time about Spiff. And, you know, really wasn't looking, but, you know, said, why not? You know, I talked to Jaron, our CEO, and just fell in love with him, fell in love with our product, and uh, decided to join Spiff and been here for about six, seven months. And again, you know, we're growing fast, scaling super fast, and, and this is just kind of what I love doing. I love building companies. So now I'm talking to you. <laughs> superb, superb. Well, fortunate. And then uh, how many people were there at Spiff when you joined? Uh, about 17. I say that because there's a trend. The the seasoned yes. pros like yourself, like 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 every time they have an exit, they try to go to a company that's earlier stage when they started and try yes. to get as early as possible. Is there a yes. particular reason why? Um, one, I think you know, 
financially, if you do it right, there's a payoff. Yes. But I, for me, I, on the on the work front, I just didn't love. I, I I really enjoy building. I love I love the opportunity when you're small enough, where you know you kind of get to know the people. The people get to know you. Um, yep. and you know, when you get to a certain size, like that just kind of goes away. So I like building, I like helping, watching people in their careers achieve whatever kind of goals they have, whether personal, financial, career growth. Um, and I love building culture. I love creating culture. I love creating an environment that a company's future is kind of based on. So I, I really enjoy it. And that's generally why I've always gone to like small companies and made them bigger. Superb. Now, my uh, hypothesis on this is, is the, and this is fitting to the topic we're going to talk about, but if you want to be a part of creating the DNA of the company, you have to go earlier. Yeah. Because yes, that's sure. the, the founding team, right? Or the first, first few executives that come in, um, or, or I would say like right after a million dollars, right? Like once the, somebody starts to get into go-to-market fit, like a lot of things that are, that are learned in that period become pillars of the let's call it revenue culture in a company. Oh, it becomes the fabric that keeps it together for probably the next four to five years. You know, like, and that's really what sustains the growth. You know, eventually things change as you get bigger and scale. But like, I, my thing is, I, I really try to keep that family atmosphere for as long as you can, especially at a company of like the size of Spiff. Because, you know, we, we have an enablement program built out, but like it's not it's not a powerhouse. So you need that groundswell of information. And if you have a bunch of people that don't like each other and don't want to hang out, the groundswell doesn't happen. Right. And they're more interested in themselves versus the company. Like then it's really hard to kind of share information and that sort of thing. Yeah, no. Well, well said. So let's kick this discussion off with the mindset that an early stage VP of sales needs to have. And I say this, uh, I want to dive into this con uh, topic because the statistic is that early stage VPs only last for like eight to 11 months or whatever that is, right? But yeah. I, I, I would love to actually get the idea, the, the th uh, your view on what should be the mindset of that VP of sales. And then I have some observations of my own that I'd like to drop in. Yeah, I think the mindset is, you know, you're there, you have to have the mindset of I'm here to build a company. And if financial rewards come because, you know, happen because of that, then all the better. But your first, you know, the first thing in your mind is you should be there to build a great company. And knowing that along that process, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's, you know, it's funny because when I, when I sit in board meetings and we talk about the number, you know, the one thing I say to people is like, I just need to be able to see a path to the number. Understanding that throughout the year, trees are going to fall in the way, sinkholes are going to open up, but I just need to see a path. If I can't see a path, I'm going to push back and say that number is not achievable. I'm not saying it should be easy, but like you should be ready to weather storm after storm after storm. Because even when you're growing fast and you're in like the most exciting company on the planet, there's going to be times of struggle when the growing pains are happening and it seems like every pipe in the building is bursting, you know, but that's when you learn. And that's like when team, when teams bond, it's through trouble. It's not through success. So like you have to have the mindset of I'm here for the greater good. I'm here to build a company and I'm, I'm here to not just worry about sales, right? Like 
for example, a few days ago, we ha- had a discussion about this deal we were venturing into thinking about if it was a good fit. And I realized it wasn't. And I told it, the whole company, I'm like, we're walking out of this. It's not good for our company. Could we win it? Yes, but it would put so much strain on everything else. It's just not worth it. So you have to have a, a company mindset versus I'm chasing the sale no matter what. Uh, I'm totally. And, you know, this podcast has global audiences that it reaches. Yeah. And there's a lot of emerging or future CROs that are yeah. in the audience from like Asia or EMEA, you know, and uh, Latin America. And what I want to triple down on, on something that you said when you were introducing yourself, which was you fell in love with the CEO. And mm-hmm. it's really, really important, in my humble opinion, to have f- philosophical alignment with the CEO yeah. as a view totally. of sales and yeah. to test that alignment by making sure that that CEO does not look at you as a transactional person and does not treat as does not treat you as a transactional relationship because that's a very bad position to be in when you are trying to help build the company and the CEO is just looking at you as the person who just brings them orders. Yeah, no, that's a great that is a great thing. So that is one of the things that I've learned over the years that you have to find not the right CEO but you have to view it as a partner. You have to find the right partner because as we talked about earlier, right? You're going to go through ups and downs and you have to be there for each other. And you have to be with someone that is going to have your back and understand what's going on and be able to talk about this, what's happening in the business. This is kind of what I think, blah, blah, blah. But you really want to be with someone that you'd even want to like hang out with because it's, it's like you are going to go through the trenches with this person and you know you have to view them as a partner versus like a boss that that to me just doesn't it it just doesn't work right especially at a company the size of spiff if jaron and i weren't aligned like what would we be even doing you know what i mean like i'd be going one way he'd be going the other and we're like 100 people and like you're just there's no like to your point there's no alignment and you have to have alignment on i think that you have to have alignment on how to build a company like you should have the same kind of, you might not have the same ideas to get there, but you should have the same kind of like objective and strategy on on a high level on what you want to build and what kind of culture do you want to build within it. And from then you can just start building the foundation off of that. But that partnership is so important. So important. Yes. And and one of the things to mind be mindful of this is that each one of you has to give the other space absolutely it's, it's important like like these th- little things are like like learned by experience but but we we, we pride ourselves in making this podcast super actionable and I, I i was waiting really to have this conversation with you because you're you you've done this multiple times now yeah. and there are nuggets in there that the early guys need to absolutely listen to because this is not rocket science but these few things absolutely need to be in, in involved in the relationship otherwise you're just headed for a very bad place yeah and I, I think you know if you if you think about the word you know like the partnership angle yeah. like the deeper meaning is there's trust right you have to have trust because trust gives you the space that you need to operate and you know I also think like you know part of being a, a leader uh, especially at a smaller company, Right. It's I think it's in my view, it's our it's our job to push the like other executives uh, out of their comfort zone because, you know, you can't be comfortable in a startup because you're all over the place. And, 
And so like pushing people out of their comfort zones requires tr- trust. If you don't have that, then you're just kind of an asshole. Hundred percent, and you, and you, you got to make sure everybody sorry, has fun. Sorry for the swear words, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to bleep that one out. But the the the, the you gotta have fun. they won't be surprised. <laughs> no, and then and then the, the last part of this one is like you are the person in charge for having fun because yes. everybody else around you is gonna be stressed, especially the CEO whose number one job is not make sure the company doesn't run out of cash. And he only has yeah. two ways to do that. One is you, and one is cost cutting. And nobody Absolutely. likes cost cutting. No, <laughs> you know? no, yeah, that's when things go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's let's move into. Uh, we talked a little bit about the mindset, but let's let's yeah. dive into the culture, right? Like, yeah. like, do you have tips on how does a VP of sales? think about culture, right? It's like one of those words, to me, it seems like one of those words where like, here's a box, guys, if you can't explain it, put it in this box, that's culture, right? But yeah. but, but I, th- I think there's more to it. So I, for anybody that has worked for me over the years, if you're listening to this, you have heard this a million times. So when I worked at Success Factors, I was there super early um, and our CEO, Lars Dahlgaard at the time, had a really hardcore vetting rule for recruiting. And um, I believe it's one of the reasons success factors went on to do what it did. Um, And I've carried this with me my whole career. And that is a a pretty hardcore, no asshole policy. And I think like, especially at a company the size of Spiff or the size of Iterable when I started, even up until I left, you know, one, one of those can destroy a whole lot of stuff. They can destroy a whole culture. They can destroy a whole team. So, like, I, I talk about it religiously to the point where, you know, the sales teams themselves start kind of filtering it out and weeding them out if one slips in. Because you, at a startup, you, you want – granted, everybody picks sales because they're after money and they're after this or that, freedom, whatever, however, whatever cliche you want to put around that. But they also need to be putting the company first. And, you know, if, if – if you fall out of that, that's when you can destroy stuff. So, you know, I think I think people that are able to work through that and, and work with each other to try to figure stuff out, because, you know, we're not at a startup, even at 100 people, like we don't have all the answers. We're not going to have all the answers. So as a team, we should be able to work on coming up with some of the answers. And so, like, I take the no, the no asshole thing really seriously. Um, and you know, it's funny cause at iterable, it got to a point where we were big enough where I wasn't interviewing reps or anybody, but if I got roped into an interview, I know that I, I knew that I was, I, they couldn't figure out if this person was an asshole and I was a deciding, <laughs> I was a deciding vote, but I just think it's so important. It sets a mindset of what kind of team you want to build and, and what kind of standards that you have in bringing people into your culture. So I, I take it really seriously. And. If let's say you know because you can try uh, a lot, and but sometimes there are just like skill sets that are required yeah. that do have some flavor of that behavior coming in, right? Could be in amongst other execs or whichever way it's in, right? Yeah. Then yeah. and and in early stage companies you don't have time, right? Like nobody really really has the time, and if every even though everybody will say slow down to go fast, like that's. It, it, that that does, nobody does that. So, so then, then how do you course correct from there? 
Um, I mean, I will, you know, I, if one slips past the goalie, shall we say, um, you know, I, I will get involved. I will try to coach that person. And ultimately if they can't be coached, then I, they get, you know, we, we make a hard decision and, you know, I, but I believe, and I, I try to like mentor people on this. Like I could have the greatest salesperson in the history of selling sitting in front of me. But if, if I sense that they would disrupt the team, I'll walk away every single time. Cause like, like I sure like you said, right? Like we're running so fast. Yes. You don't have time for the drama. Like yes. building a company is hard enough. Like why yes. add that in to risk even more kind of disruption? And like, even when I think about what I just said to myself, when I hire leaders, I look for people that are specifically on asshole because I'm going to be spending the majority of my time with these people. Absolutely. And building a company is hard enough. Why make it right. harder with people I wouldn't want to hang out with? Correct. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Correct. Correct. So, a valid point. And I guess, are there some telltale signs? Again, I'm doing this. I'm, I, I keep, I'm, I've drilled down into this because yeah. we have like people across the pond yeah, yeah. or across the ocean like yeah. listening to this. I, I want to make sure that they hear this. So, I think, you know, for me, when I'm interviewing people, it's all about the questions that are being asked of me. Right? Are the questions centered around the company? Are the questions centered around the strategy, or you know, how is the sales team doing? Versus, what is in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? Like, and like, totally centered on comp, or centered on their territory, or centered on anything that has to do with themselves. Like the hair, the hair in the back of my neck starts to stand up a little bit, and I, I start to kind of then I'll, I'll start diving deeper to see. Like, where's that coming from? But if someone's asking me about like the greater good, like what are the, what is the company after? What is the goals? You know, where do you want to be in five years? Like really more future thinking. That's a big sign to me of how they think versus like, if they're just asking me about like today and like this quarter and how is how are, how are your reps doing? Like, I know that's a standard question, but that's also a selfish question. So I know they want to make money, but like I want people to be more invested in the company because if you're more invested in the company at the company size that we are, you're generally going to be more successful for yourself. Totally. But there is a time. Like I would worry if somebody actually did not ask me about that question, uh, what's in it for them somewhere through the process? Because like, like, and and there's got to be like this, uh, it's like, like give get type of a situation oh, and yeah, that yeah, yeah. get through, right? Yeah. Maybe I didn't go all the way. So I like I agree with it. But if that if those are the only kind of questions they're asking yes. me, that's when the hair in the back of my neck stands up. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, t- t- totally. And 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 there's because like my rule is, hey, I'm gonna trust you. We're gonna verify it. We're in the bay. There's like everybody and everybody can actually I can go to my neighbor and be like, hey, do you know this? They probably know him, right? Yeah. And, and uh, this person. But the and then tech is so small. That, uh, yeah, we can all find find people and everybody's kind of learning, right? Like, I don't think anybody uh, gems, comes to gets involved with various companies um, for a bad motive, right? Like, they, no, everybody wants yeah. to do well for themselves, yeah. for their families, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, some folks are just not able to get through it. Um, and I'll be personal. Like it took me a long time to get it over myself. Like, and uh, but totally. I was grateful for all the people that helped me do yeah. it because sometimes you just don't know, right? Absolutely. And I, I would say, you know, one of the biggest 
the, one of the my the, the one of the things that I'm most thankful for in my entire career. I have been extremely lucky and blessed to have amazing mentors along my entire journey that have taught me so much about scaling, about leading, about being a mentor, etc. But I've learned so much from the people that I have worked with and worked for. It's like it's just made me who I am today, hundred percent. I've been super, super fortunate. So, like when I am like mentoring people, I try to pay it forward all the time, all the time. Great. Now let's move to the people topic. And there's two yeah. major things I want to talk. Uh, I want to get your guidance on. Yeah. One is as a VP of Sales, you know that if you're not going to staff up your team, you're not going to hit your number, right? You're, Correct. That's the one thing I get dinged for every single year because mm -hmm. you got to get that that crew in, and uh, and and so some tips from yourself around like everybody says like just wrap your team fast right like it's i don't know if that's the right way to think about it but maybe it is but like if i need to go hire if i landed as a vp of sales and i need to hire 12 people like how do i go through that motion so i think it's a few things i think like for people that like and so if in that example if someone, if, if Jaron, our CEO, came to me and said, you need to go hire 12 AEs right now. Like, I would also argue, I would want to make sure that we have enough to feed them. And I would want to make sure, like, the reps that we have, are they at full capacity? Because if they're not, maybe we don't need to hire 12. So I factor all of that stuff in. I try to make sure, like, we have enough pipeline to, if for the people that we bring in, that they have enough to eat. Um, and, and, and get enough where they can have enough chances at bats to win. Um, because if you don't, like, you know, if you go hire a bunch of reps and they don't have enough pipeline, then you're going to deal with morale issues and that's just going to be, it's not great. So I really pay attention to pipeline numbers. I really try to pay attention to at what pace is our pipeline building. So when, if we were to go hire 12 ramps right now, or AEs right now, when they're ramped six months from now, well, we have the pipeline then for them to get going. So I look at the numbers somewhat deeply with our marketing folks to ensure like if I go do this, when they are ramped, by the time we hire them and they get ramped, they'll have the pipeline that we, they should, or I'll hold off and I'll hire, I'll hire enough that we can withstand. Because generally like at a growing company, I think that if you, if people are at capacity, you probably don't need to hire what the book says, because if you overhire, yes. then like that's when problems arise. So I really try to anticipate where pipeline is going to be when they're hired and ramps, not where it's at today. Yep. yep, totally. And the second question would be of hiring people that are way more seasoned than yourself, right? Because there is one role, which is the VP of sales, as in the mm -hmm. manager. And yeah. then there is the other role, which is a VP of sales, as in the IC, who wants to get paid like a VP by closing a bunch of business, right? Yeah. Both exist, yeah. right? Yeah, and for so, sure. So, so in that capacity, uh, you're going to need somebody that, again, has four times the closing experience that you do with four times larger companies than you've dealt with. And, yeah. and you have to make that call. And tips on like, how does the VP of sales who's the manager earn the right to uh, to bring a VP of sales, the IC, onto his team? 
I think so when I first got into management and I think like one of the hardest transitions there is for a mindset is as a leader, your job is to hire people better than you are. And it took me a while, right? It, because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a comfort thing in your own being, like, like being comfortable with that and under, but understanding why it's important. Um, so I think for a, for a VP of sales, I, you know, it's interesting because before I took Spiff, I talked to another company um, and like they didn't have any reps and like uh, I think that's just not my gig, right? Like you got to have, I, we got to have a little bit of foundation. I can build upon that. Right. And I think there's like, there's two types of leaders in regards to that. There are ones that want to stay in the gig, but I think if you want to continue selling, it takes your eye off scaling. Right. So if if you want to be a VP of sales and you want to be in the right situation, right, like if you go read any kind of thing on Saster or anything like that, and I believe in this, like you've got to have three or four reps that are out there selling. Like your job as a leader is not to sell. Your job is to get involved in the right deals to help sell, but it's not to like carry a bag anymore. So but if you're of that mindset, then, you know, I would say you probably should stay as a rep. If, if you need to be close to the deals and ha- get that rush and all that kind of stuff. Like me, I get the rush by scaling and building a great company. So, yeah, but I, I told the CEO, I'm like, you guys just aren't ready for, for me. And that's okay. Yeah, I would say that from my first experience, it's the, the, the VP of sales that is the IC is also looking for something. Yes, your job is to figure out how quickly you can get, not quickly, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. Don't do it quickly. Because if you do it quickly, you're not gonna build the right relationship, right? So, yeah. so so, focus on building the relationship to uncover what is he looking for and right. figure yeah. out how do you provide that to them? Because in early stage companies, there are no hierarchies, there are no role types, yeah. There's not, none of that exists, right? Yeah. But there is a, what do I need this person to do? And what does that person want to do? And then yeah. provide it to them, and yeah. and then un- unblock access to everything, and uh, and and those are some really like foundational things. But as people listen to this podcast, they'll see that that in a lot of places where they're struggling to hire somebody who's like four times the experience in closing that they have, that it's not actually that hard because you've got to find out what you can complement. Sometimes people have it. And, and then here's some actionable things, right? Like this is super duper simple. Uh, that, that VP of sales is an IC, may never have angel invested. Yeah. May have an interest yeah. in getting on boards, may have an yeah. interest in, in advising other, other people, may want to become, be part of a mentor program, may, or a mentor mentee program, right? Like there's all of these things that can be done and and you're absolutely right. If you're selling, you're not scaling. And to scale, you've got to figure out how to bring this value to the seller Correct. so that they totally. feel good and 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 full about themselves. Totally, it's interesting too when you think about that. I like the VP that's serving as an IC. I think in sales, like so many times, I've found like people just think they need and want to go into management because they think that's the next thing they should be doing. Um, so like when I interview reps to promote them into management, you know, I'll, I'll dig into the why, like, why, why would you want to do this to yourself? Like, why would you want to manage people? And like, you know, it's funny because one of the things that I'll say to people right before they get promoted officially, I was like, look, like, I think you're going to be great. I think it's gonna be amazing. But 
I will tell you, I guarantee you in, within the first 90 days, at one point, I'm going to say this to you. Remember, you wanted this. Right. <laughs> you know? 100%. Because if you've never read you just have no idea. You have no idea what you're getting. You have no idea yes. what you're getting into. <laughs> yes, yes, and and I'm glad you brought that because I wanted to close on this. Is be careful yeah. what you ask for, because getting Absolutely. this get it. is the easy part. Living through this yeah. is the hard part because you now have a a professional and personal obligation to be the partner to the CEO. You've yep. got to have the right resources to support him because he's extremely lonely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually a great way to say it, too. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. And, and then yeah, when you yeah, get the 930... Like, be careful what you wish for and exactly. make sure you, you want. When you get the 9.30 p.m. calls and you're just putting your kids to bed and you're like, F, like, why yeah. is this person calling me, yeah. right? <laughs> That's what you signed up for. This is absolutely. So just be careful. And, and yeah. I, I don't want to be the David Adler of that because there's a lot of fulfillment in this because oh, the, the world of access that you that this opens you up to is phenomenal, right? Like, yeah, sure. um, and and it's super duper cool. But you've got to get into the rhythm or build get in, get through the first ninety days and get into momentum. Um, because if you get into momentum the right way, you will just accelerate like every quarter, every quarter, and it 100%. may not be the board plan. You're going to accelerate the forecast, and then you'll just keep accelerating, 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 because the person above you is just going to keep unblocking you over and over again, and ultimately you'll hit it, right? Like some people take a little bit longer to hit. Some people get lucky, like COVID, COVID accelerated you, great. You know, you got like a bazillion in, inbound. Totally. Um, but... But but it is super duper fulfilling. It is. And, you know, it's funny because I think like a lot of the times that I have promoted reps into management, like some of the first conversations, like, well, actually, that's not true. Once they're promoted, then we can talk about it because we can be honest. Um, you know, like I think most reps view managers, well, they're not grinding every day. That job's easy. I could do that job. Then they get into it and they're like, whoa, whoa, what is happening? Like, whoa, why is this so stressful? And it's just, it's, you're right. You're now, you're now responsible for other people, which yes. and you're, you know, it just, it's just an added level of stress that if you've never done it, it's, it's, it has its moments. hundred percent. If you're a manager and your, your reps all have kids, you don't know what they're going through. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, we have no, it's like nobody knows how stressed people really are. So. Exactly. Well, great. Well, thank you for, for sharing the, the mindset of an early stage, yeah. Uh, what are my thoughts of what you say people sales should be? Um, what, how do you people think about culture? Um, how do you ramp up people or build a team team? And then and then what does psychological safety or physical alignment with your CEO mean? I mean, I think these are really yeah. important absolutely. basic things that are not taught, but can absolutely be gained from either listening to podcasts like this or reaching out to people like yourself who are by the way all available to help other people like the, totally. the best part of this podcast is you, know, you just like hit up people and ask them if you could help me and most people will help you this is it's yeah beautiful. for sure yeah it's it's kind of amazing what happens when you ask <laughs> exactly. so totally so on that note yes people wanted to reach out to you would it yeah. be okay and what would be the best way for them to do that uh, absolutely okay. I think the best and easiest way is just to ping me on LinkedIn and then, you know, we can kind of go from there. But yeah, totally. Feel free. 
Absolutely. Perfect. And then we always end this with, with this because this podcast does not have a strategy. I always say that and people don't believe me when I say that. But yeah. like we are now 165 episodes in and every guest leaves their legacy with us by giving a virtual five five to three other people on yeah. B2B tech who either are in go to market or data science. Um, and then we invite those people to join us. And that's how this has really become a yeah. community. Yeah. 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 So uh, we got Dave Smith, who's VP of Sales and Marketing at Luma Health. We have Scott Satisher, who is Senior Director of Enterprise Sales at Iterable. Okay. And we have Chris Miller at Correo, who's VP of Sales uh, down in LA. Super, superb. And I'm assuming you've inter-overlapped with, with these uh, fine gentlemen over, I have, over the- Yeah, I have, I have, yeah. Okay. And then yeah. did you hire any of them or all three of them? Uh, I hired, uh, I did not hire Chris, but he was at Citrix. I hired Dave at Citrix and he's still a really good friend to this day. Chris is a good friend to this day. And I hired Scott at Iterable and he's still a very good friend to this day. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, then cheers to friendship. And Absolutely. Once again, thank you so much for coming on to the show and best of luck in your journey. Thanks, Ash. Appreciate it. It's been a blast. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.